This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Lake Kick is Live. It is Tuesday night, August 31st. We have it on record. It is official. The last day of August, and we are headed train long into a loaded college football weekend. It is the year of our Lord, 2021. It is a jam-packed show tonight. We got a big announcement coming up. We got another addition to the Ramen Noodle Express coming in mere moments. How classy of us. We're not even going to make you wait until the end of the show. Uh, so make sure you're following on Twitter because you already got the pick earlier today if you are, at Lake Kick Josh. We are not only adding to the Ramen Noodle Express tonight, two cars of five so far on the train for this week. We are breaking down on multiple angles all the big games this weekend. We're hitting Georgia-Clemson right off the top. We're going to hit Bama and Miami. Uh, We're going to hit Penn State-Wisconsin tonight. We're going to hit North Carolina-Virginia Tech. I'm going to give you some on Louisiana or Louisiana-Lafayette, depending on your geographical point of view, versus Texas. And then on the Thursday show, we're going to loop in LSU-UCLA. I'll probably do Florida State-Notre Dame on the Sunday show. So we've got a lot to get to this week. Again, make sure you're not missing any shows. Also tonight, several more things that we're looking forward to. I enjoyed that segment so much the other night. I think it may become a staple. Just the things you're looking forward to, the things that don't necessarily belong in a game preview, but we're all thinking about. You're all talking about it around the water cooler or at the lunch table or on the message boards during the week. And so I want to verbalize it because I feel the same way you guys do. Whenever you're riding around occasionally and you know something just pops in your head like, I get to see Travion Henderson run the ball Thursday night for Ohio State. I'm not going to say that in a game preview, but I'm going to say it tonight. So we'll talk about that. Also, make sure, as I said, you're following on all the social channels at Lake Kick Josh. We're headed to Charlotte Friday. I can't remember what time I get in there, but we're headed to Charlotte Friday I mean, I'm going to have the eye Josh on hand. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be on the sideline for that game. Sometimes it's press box, sometimes it's sideline. But I'll be on the field for that game Saturday night. That means I can give you all kind of access that you normally wouldn't get, but you got to be following on those channels. It's not like we're doing it live on YouTube. So make sure you're following at Late Kick Josh. Also, in- information just comes out that we release in a more timely manner that way and bets. So today, just to give a little plug right quick, the Late Kick Extra podcast. So many of you are new here. We've almost doubled our audience this year that I have to periodically remind people the way this works. Anytime I do a radio hit, most of the hosts are are very courteous at the end and they say, remind people where they can find you. So on the YouTube channel, we do Late Kick Live, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night. A lot of you are watching it right now, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. But also, we have the podcast feed. Now you can get replays of all these shows there the very next morning. But on Tuesday and Thursday morning, we also do an exclusive podcast. It does not get uploaded to YouTube. It is not available anywhere other than the podcast feed. It's all mailbag. It's all Q&A. And we had a wide-ranging mailbag this morning. Everything from the best thing I've experienced in person at a college football game, my favorite storm-chasing story. Fun fact, I chase storms. Also, I mean, how do you tell someone... When they tell you, I love you, and you're not ready to say it back, that was one of the questions submitted. How do we deal with fall weddings? That was one of the questions, so we went all over the place. But we got to dive into this show because we're loaded. We could go five hours if I continue at this pace. Let's crank it up with the Ramen Noodle Express because I want to make sure these numbers don't move, so this is very time-sensitive. Earlier this week, I introduced this to you. These are our best bets of the week. We hit at 60.9% against the number, 53 and 34 last year. I don't know if we'll duplicate that. Maybe we'll be better. Maybe we'll be worse, but we trust the process. That's Tom Fornelli's stuff. We trust the formula. That's what we trust around here. We cannot, we cannot risk gimmick infringement on the Ramen Noodle Express. So let's take a look at it, Jesse. Let's throw it up. This fancy graphic, I mean, you're only finding quality graphics like these in one place, and that is Late Kick Live. I already gave you earlier in the week Cincinnati minus 23. They're playing Miami, Ohio. That number is still widely available. We are now giving you Temple plus 14 and a half. They're on the road at Rutgers. I got some strong pushback about this today. And as you know, the philosophy around here is it's okay to disagree. It's always okay to disagree about a football game. 
And in life, it's okay to disagree. Just make sure you're ready to back it up. And to the person's credit who disagreed with me today, they were ready to back it up with their wallet, which we arranged in the DMs. Several of you have done that with me, and you've all paid up at the end of the day. We're taking Temple plus 14 and a half. Uh, That game is Thursday night in Pescataway, New Jersey. So let's move on. Let's dive into some game predictions. This is fun. We have not been able to predict games since January because we didn't predict spring games, although we bat a 1,000 on picking the winner there. Georgia versus Clemson, Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. Tigers, actually, it's a 7.30 kickoff. Colin, we don't want to start it that way. All right, so here we go. Let's just restart the intro for our editing purposes. Three, two, one. Georgia, Clemson, primetime game, 7.30 kickoff. I've always nailed that this week. In Charlotte, North Carolina, neutral site game. Tigers favored by three. We will be in the house for this one. Everyone in the country is looking forward to it. Whatever your favorite game is going to be Saturday, it's either this one or this is your number two because everyone's looking forward to this to some degree. Week one sort of messes with your mind, doesn't it? Think about what happens a lot of times. You know this game's coming. None of you have thought about the Georgia UAB game next week. Everyone has thought for months about the Georgia Clemson game. The way it messes with your mind is so much happens in what outsiders would deem the offseason leading up to this game. Everything from winter conditioning to spring football to your post-spring summer stuff. A lot of things can happen. Injuries can happen. Remember when George Pickens went down in spring for Georgia? I remember the immediate reaction was they're going to miss him against Clemson. Man, they're not going to be able to beat Clemson or at least their chances of winning went down significantly. But then you slowly had time and you built that reservoir of confidence back up. And then you get the headline, Eric Gilbert is coming to Georgia, but then he's not going to be available. And that's the current situation with Eric Gilbert. We don't expect him for the time being, at least. And so then status is a little shaky again. And people who were counting on him to be an impact player, all of a sudden you're shaken. And so your confidence level drops. Then you start building it, building it, building it, get some good whispers and intel from fall camp. Darnell Washington out four to six weeks. Tyke Smith out four to six weeks. Huge impact, both sides of the ball. And then your confidence is just fractured again. But lo and behold, how many of you that said a couple of weeks ago when those injuries happened, Georgia has no shot. Let me go dump some money on Clemson. How many of you have built up the confidence again to at least consider picking Georgia to win this game? I know a lot of you have. I have too. Let's dive into the preview. Two key matchups that I don't think you can overhype enough here, and they overlap. If we look at the Venn diagram and we have A and B, they overlap significantly. The first, which was really, I think, spotlighted today with some comments from Dabo Swinney, is this whole matchup that we've been talking about for months, that interior of this Georgia defensive line, possibly the best in the country, and it is a huge matchup advantage for them against Clemson. Dabo Swinney at his game week press conference today just told you flat out, we're probably going to have to rotate centers in this game. And then on top of that, if that's not bad enough, rotating centers against the small houses that Georgia plays on the interior of the defensive line, Anna Hickey over at Clemson 24-7 kind of chimed in and added, you know, depending on who they start at center, he may have a true freshman starting next to him. It's just not a great matchup. I think it could be a pivotal matchup for Georgia here. And it fundamentally alters gameplay because of the second in this Venn diagram double circle situation. Think about the Clemson wide receiver room, which we have touted all summer long, and the size and the physicality there against this Georgia secondary, minus Tyke Smith. Well, one of the things that you had to really like is you had to really like being able to spread those guys out and being able to work the whole field. Question is, can you do it? Can you do it? How many times in this game is that Clemson passing attack truly going to be able to work the whole field versus having a collapsed pocket in front of you and having to use half field reads, quarter field reads, and having to use some progression and, and different level concepts? Because what that does all of a sudden is it shrinks the field. And it also takes away some of that timing and rhythm, obviously, that a lot of people are going to depend on. But I look at it and I think to myself, hmm, you would think that the biggest key, especially when you're facing size like this at wide receiver, you would think, well, you know, you got to be able to fight on those 50-50 balls. And yes, there will be several instances that Georgia defensive backs have to do just that Saturday night. But I will tell you, and I don't think it's a great mystery, Travis Etienne or not, the first thing Clemson will try and do, the first thing that offensive staff will try and do is they'll try and test the physicality of Georgia on the perimeter. And they'll take a lot of those big-bodied receivers, along with the tailbacks that they have, Will Shipley included, 
even though he's not starting, and they'll they'll execute perimeter run after perimeter run, and they will execute sweeps and screens, and they'll try and get matchups out there that they can't get between the tackles. And if Georgia does not possess the ability to shed those kind of blocks from those big-bodied receivers and make tackles, then it's a long night for them. So those are two factors there that I think will heavily influence the outcome of this game. But I also have a couple other ones just to think about here as we kind of transition into prediction time. Because a couple of things that concern me a little bit more about Georgia is this Clemson staff. You know, I was talking to someone over the summer. I had a little birdie just land on my shoulder. And he said, hey, you want to know what this Clemson staff's been doing to get ready for Georgia? Sure, birdie, I'd love to know. Where'd you come from, by the way? Uh, They've been watching that Mississippi State game tape. You may think, what's Mississippi State have to do with this? Well, that's the team that last year went into Athens with under 50 scholarship players and held the University of Georgia with James Cook on the field, with JT Daniels starting at quarterback, with Zamir White playing, with Kenny McIntosh playing, to 23 carries for eight yards, not 80, eight combined yards. That's good for 0.3 per pop. Obviously, the Clemson Brain Trust looks and says, if we can do half of that, if we can do fractions of that, then we win this comfortably. Now, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. For instance, there are different dynamics in play. you got different personnel on the field. But from a pure 50,000-foot schematically schematically speaking standpoint, yeah, I think that's right, Clemson looks at it, and you can understand their confidence in saying, uh, largely we're dealing with the same staff, same players here. If they did it, we can do it. Second thing, Okay, so if that's a factor, second thing is missing Darnell Washington, that tight end for Georgia. Yeah, it's big on third down. I mean, he was going to make a couple of plays or at least have an opportunity to in the passing game. But man, he is such a valuable asset in the run game, adding a gap over there. And he's huge himself. That is a guy. I remember Rusty Menzel, when he first got hurt, we were talking. He said, you know, 20 years ago, he's a left tackle. That's the size they used to be not all that long ago. And he's right. And so it's very, very valuable to have a guy like that. Well, you don't. So how much do you miss him? How much do you miss him on third and five? How much do you miss him on first and 10 for that matter? So the other night you're watching the show and I got probably, if I got one of you, I got 500 of you ask me, well, I see your predictions. You got Clemson winning the national championship. That has to mean that you have Clemson winning in week one, right? So let's talk about it. Jesse, let's go ahead and let's take a look at what our model thinks. So every game that we preview on this show We have the Vegas number, which you see right here. Our current Caesars line is Clemson minus three. And then we have the late kick number, our own proprietary model. We run it through a thousand times and whatever the aggregate simulation provides us, that's what the late kick line is. Our model sees it pretty much dead on the money, Clemson minus two and a half. And so think this out loud with me. We've got Clemson winning the national championship. We got our own model, which I trust implicitly, picking Clemson to win. We got odds makers on the side of Clemson. And about two hours ago, I just totally had a shift of heart. So I'm going to stick with Clemson to win the national championship. I think Georgia's going to beat him Saturday night. I think that that situation along the inside of that Clemson offensive line is going to have a disproportionate impact on this game. There's several matchups to love. If you're a Clemson Tiger fan, several of them. When I say disproportionate, I think I mean that one's going to matter more than any of them. So I'm going to take Georgia plus the three points. I'm going to take Georgia to win outright. And I have going back and forth with our Steve Wolfong this week, for example, about which team needs this more. It's been one of the most popular topics on a lot of talk radio over the summer. And I'm not so sure he wasn't right. He kind of changed my opinion on it. I was of the opinion Clemson needs it because they have, they have, less, they have less fat on their schedule to chew on post-Georgia game. But there's this other factor in play. And that factor is Georgia has been selling cotton candy for a long time on the recruiting trail. And it works. Everyone loves cotton candy, but you can't survive on it. Eventually, you got to have some meat to provide. And in this context, that meat is a big win over a highly ranked team. And Georgia doesn't get enough of them. And they need it. They don't have to have it to survive. It would greatly benefit them to get this. And there are some people in the recruiting industry, for example, that believe that they need it at Georgia even more than Clemson needs it. So fascinating couple of dynamics because I could make the argument on the other side, but man, Wolfong had me there. I said, you know what, Uncle Steve, that's a good point. So we're going to take Georgia to cover. We're going to take Georgia to win. And um, I'll, I'll be there either way. Really looking forward to that game. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So last night on Twitter, I made an announcement. I don't know if I was supposed to make it, but we made it anyway. You remember about a month ago, Colin, I guess it was about a month ago, I sat right here and I said, you know what? Forget it. We'll just do it. And I said, you know, look around. We don't have any advertising on the show. Fortunately, they pay us in terms of salary around here. So we really don't have to sell advertising. If we, if we want it, though, I said, why don't we try and go get it? So if you're a regional or national brand, you feel like partnering with us, hit us up. We'll show you the price points. If it makes sense, then we'll partner up. Full disclosure, some hit me up that weren't right. So yes, we turned down money. But I told you we would do that if the partnership didn't make sense for all of us, and that includes people other than just me. Well, we found one that did. Because that very night, Academy Sports and Outdoors hit us up. Maybe you've heard of them. And just like that, because the relationship was facilitated and fostered via one of you between us, and the high levels over at Academy. And so we got a deal done, and it's a big one. And I really appreciate you guys making that happen because the numbers on this show are now too big to ignore. And this isn't a lemonade stand down the road. This is Academy Sports and Outdoors. So they have worked their way right here next to me. You can't see them, but I'm about to tell you, Academy Sports and Outdoors, we are happy to have them on board. The calendar tells you football season is here. And I know good and well every one of you need, well, really several things. A lot of you need grills. A lot of you need canopies because the last thing you want to be at Christmas is the guy that's still rocking that, 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 that like wife beater tan, that, that you know, sleeveless shirt tan. You don't want that. And so get the canopies, get the grills, get it all, but make sure you know where to get it. And now that they're partnering with us, we have a vested interest in telling you Academy Sports and Outdoors is the place to go. A lot of you live in towns where you drive by one every day, but if you don't, I got the hookup, well, they do, through us, academy.com. Go there. All your college football needs. They're the official outdoor partner of the SEC. They're the official outdoor partner of the Big 12. But most importantly for us, they are now the official outdoor sports partner of Late Kick, Academy Sports and Outdoors. We are thrilled to have them on board, and that's going to be, I think, a very much mutually beneficial relationship. Okay, let's continue tonight, and let's roll down to Atlanta GA. Miami versus Alabama. This spread is fat. Oh, it is beefy. It's Alabama minus 19. This is a Saturday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern time kickoff. This is an ABC game. Let me give you a little refresher course for those of you who are new on how we handle these big point spread games. Really anything over two touchdowns. We acknowledge the favorite is favored for a reason. We don't really try and predict uh, multiple touchdown upsets. It happens, but I don't think there's a whole lot of skill in predicting that most of the time. So we'll give you the pick versus the spread in just a couple of minutes. But also what we try and do is we format it a little bit different. We say, if Miami were to win this game, how would it happen? So is it possible? Technically, it's possible. If it's not, we don't even waste our time with it. But if we think there is a puncher's chance in some alternate universe, how would it happen? So what is the formula for Miami here? And do you think it's possible? I guess is the better question for you. Uh, how do they have it within one possession in the fourth quarter? I guess that's what we're looking for here. Well, I think the first thing they need to do is they got to have a lead early. They've got to grab the lead, preferably by more than one touchdown. I was over on InsideTheU.com today, and David Lake had a stat that I, I knew had to exist, but I didn't know it was this bad. Last year, Miami loses three games. They lose the Clemson game, they lose against North Carolina, and they lose to Oklahoma State. Do you know what the combined score in the first quarter of those games was? It was bad guys 49, Miami 3. That doesn't win you many football games. And none of those teams I just read were Alabama. 
And so this is like the hardest game probably in terms of that game against Clemson last year on the road was tough. This is one of the hardest matchups that Manny Diaz will have in his entire career. They have to have an early lead. That's imperative. You don't get down 13-0 against Alabama and then fight your way back with an inferior roster compared to theirs. That's not to speak down of Miami, but almost everyone's inferior compared to Alabama. They have to steal at least one possession in each half. If you want to do both of them in the second half, that's fine. Make sure you're still in the game. That could be a turnover. It could be an onside kick. It could be superior clock management. I don't care how you do it, but you got to steal a couple of possessions. Turnover margin, yes, you'd love to be plus two or better, but the stealing of possessions, that's really key for Miami. They just got to possess the ball enough uh, to make something happen. Alabama is the best program in the country at making you do something other than you want to do. They take you off your A game. They remove your fastball. They knock it out of the park. They hit it 440 feet, and they make you show your secondary pitch or, big word alert, your tertiary pitch. I don't even think Vince Scully said that very often. You got to avoid that. Get the lead early. Make them question themselves instead of them making you question yourself. You got to throw them off schedule too. Because keep in mind now, they do have a lot of new parts over there. They are human, although it is Alabama. If it's second and five all afternoon, if it's third and one all afternoon, and I've got Brian Robinson and I got Trey Sanders and I got Jace McClellan and I got Roy Dell Williams, I could roll running backs at you until Wednesday that would run over you on third and one. You can't have that. you got to put them in some kind of obvious passing situations enough to where you hope your pass rush can take advantage of an offensive line that during fall camp, even Nick Saban has done some rotating with. He talked as recently as last week about how, I don't know how we feel at center right now. We're still a little unsettled at center. Well, if he's telling you the truth, and I think he is, he doesn't really lie about his own team a whole lot at press conferences, then get yourself in a situation where you earn the right to rush the passer. You can't let him run on you seven yards a clip, and then you still earn the right to rush the passer. And how balanced can Miami be offensively? Everyone's excited about Derek King's return. I'm excited about Derek King's return. But see, the thing about this is it's only exciting if he possesses the ability to do things other quarterbacks can't. And I'm talking about today's version, not in the past. Today's version of De'Eric King, the last time we saw him, was laid out on a field and he was getting carted off because the season was over in the bowl game. And it's been well documented. I don't need to retell the story. But this is game action. This is not off-season work. What did I just say? Summer workouts. And this is not fall camp either. This is live bullets. They can tackle you to the ground. In fact, they want to. They want to hurt you. And so number one... When, the, when we talk about balance, we're not talking about stats around here. Is Alabama convinced that you'll run it or throw it on virtually any down and distance? And secondly, do you possess the ability to convince them you can hurt them with your legs and hurt them with your arm? Because a lot of times we go into these games and folks say, oh, mobile quarterbacks, Nick Saban's worst nightmare. And they're over there saying, if this guy runs for 63 yards today, so be it. We're not about to let him pop pass us over the top in the RPO game and burn us the way John Franklin, the third, whoever it was, um, uh, Nick Marshall did back in the day against Darwin. We're not letting that happen again. And so if he wants to run for 50 or 60, so be it. He's not beating us through the air. Well, if you possess the ability to put more than 100 on him rushing the ball, then all of a sudden they do have to commit to it a little bit more. So I, uh, Jesse, let's go ahead and take a look at what the model says about this game. I was looking at this and early on in the kind of spring summer months when they released some of the games of the year we noticed a trend and it's not shocking Bama was a little bit overrated relative to what our numbers thought so pretty much every point spread right now in the futures market the Vegas number is about a point to two points fatter than our number and it's no different here the Caesars line the Vegas line is Alabama minus 19 our number internally is Alabama minus 18 I'm really really curious about the level of efficiency Alabama's offense has to start this game, because I don't think it's going to be knife through hot butter at all. Uh, But what I'm equally as excited to watch is whether it's going to matter, because, man, I go back to last year, and I remember watching Miami go up against Clemson, and the most demoralizing aspect of that is their receivers couldn't even get off the line. I mean, Clemson shut them down cold, and that was not an elite Clemson secondary. This is a pretty elite Alabama defense, specifically in the secondary. And so those perimeter matchups, the the Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis, Brian Branch in the secondary, those guys, when you have to account for Will Anderson, who along with Thibodeau on the West Coast, may very well be the best overall players 
especially defensive players in the country. I don't know how in the world, minus turnovers, minus not offensive touchdowns, I don't know how we're finding Miami getting into the, the mid to upper 20s range, which is where you would minimally have to be to win this game. So we're not going to take them to win. Uh, we'll take Alabama to win. But what I do think is Miami possesses enough ability to hang around. Maybe it's garbage time or maybe Alabama's stretching them at the end. I think they can hang around enough to cover, barely. There's no strong feel here. So we're going to take Alabama to win, but we will take Miami plus the 19. Again, there's no strong feel because uh, there's not a lot of skill in predicting how that fourth quarter is going to go. I don't think there's any skill in that, actually. Let's move on. Uh, boy, this game is this game is very enticing. We gave serious consideration to going to this next game. We ended up in Charlotte, but I really thought about this one. Penn State at Wisconsin. This is not one of those neutral site games. This is a true road environment. Whiskey minus five and a half. That's the current number, and that number has gone up over about the last 24 hours or so. This is a noon Eastern time kickoff on Fox. Get the chores done in the morning. Get back home. This is not a situation where your early window is a lot of secret wet bag of garbage type games, and then you, the 3.30 window, that's when you got to be there. No, 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 no. This is, this is almost as good as it gets the entire day. And I think it's the most consequential game in week one because you can paint a path for Clemson or Georgia, but there's going to be a lot written. There's going to be a lot said about the outcome of this game, even if it's narrow, 23-21 either way. Uh, there's a default setting, maybe you've noticed it, with Penn State football. And I don't necessarily blame you for having it. But the default setting around Penn State is, it'll be close, but fill in the blank. And your blank probably consists of, well, Sean Clifford, against a really good defense on the road with a new offensive coordinator, I don't think that he can overcome a good Wisconsin team. That's probably what your default setting is. And even if you're a Penn State fan, half of you may hold that default setting. But even if you don't, I don't think you can blame a whole lot of people for feeling that way. See, there are, there are plenty of folks out there you can find to tell you, Sean Clifford's a good, solid quarterback. There are infinitely fewer people that you can find to tell you, Sean Clifford, now that's a dog. He'll get it done. When you're in the foxhole, when it's fourth quarter winning time, he is the Reggie Miller of State College PA. Not many people saying that. Could it all change? Could Mike Yurcich, formerly Tom Yurcich on this show, could he be the magic elixir? Could getting a guy like Noah Kane back to full strength, could that be the difference? Could be. We'll see. Hey, that's why they play the games. But uh, it stands to reason there is a lot still to be proven for this Penn State team and this Penn State offense. So if it is a quarterback-quarterback matchup, if it is a shot-for-shot, your guy better than my guy in the fourth quarter, I think a lot of you trust Graham Mertz. Now, I think there is, and it may be fair or unfair, a lot more blind trust being invested into Graham Mertz. But I get it because I remember what people were saying last year, myself included, and then it kind of went off the rails because they had a ton of injury and COVID-related issues where they never had that full offense on the field. Well, we get to see it now. All those guys are back. A couple of them came back who didn't have to, and so we get to see it now. So here's the rub. I'm going to go back to Sean Clifford for a second because that is the crux of this game to me. Do we really know what to expect at all? A lot of people have their profile of Sean Clifford already developed, Penn State quarterback for those unfamiliar, and it is kind of an incomplete player. He has a lot of good, very little great in him. Uh, he'll make mistakes at key moments. There's not enough consistency. That's the profile now because that's what we've seen. What I'm asking you is, is what we've seen an absolute indicator of what we're always going to get? Because I have not seen Sean Clifford in a Mike Yurcich offense. I haven't seen him, at least recently, with Noah Kane back there at full strength. I haven't seen him play with now a fully seasoned combination at wide receiver of Dotson and Parker Washington. I haven't seen that. Well, I get to see it now. They're pretty darn good at tight end, too. And so what I'm saying is, maybe we get the same product we always got, and if we do, then okay, the profile is complete. But surprises have happened. Bigger surprises than this have happened. Penn State having 24 at the half this Saturday. Would be surprising. I don't think it would be the biggest shock in the world how they score him. I don't know. But what does a winning stat line look like for him? It doesn't have to be 38 of 45. You know, this is not the mid-2000s Big 12. If he is a nice, solid 18 for 24, uh, 215 yards, a goose egg in the turnover column, that's good enough to have you right there. And that's the kind of game that I think we're going to see between Penn State and Wisconsin. So the things I'm watching couple of them here before we start to make the prediction. Wisconsin's secondary is going to be a fascinating matchup. They're good at all three levels. Wisconsin's good at all three levels. But that secondary matchup, Penn State receivers have got to win them. 
at least a critical amount of them. I mean, you got to be open. And so Dotson can do that. Parker Washington can do that. What they're worried about at Penn State is behind that. How many of these guys can we depend on? Got some names we like. They show flashes in practice. But the old adage is we don't want to put you on the field once you show us you can do it right. We want you to show us you've done it so much you can't do it wrong. Then we want to put you on the field. Well, a lot of times you don't have that luxury. Not everyone's Ohio State where they can afford to watch multiple track speed athletes walk out of their receiver room and still have the best receiver room in the country. But that's point one. Point two, flat out with this Penn State team. What kind of sense of urgency do they walk out of that tunnel with? Given what we saw last year, given the uncertainty around the team, but given the positive vibes, the willingness to buy in still from this fan base, myself included, I'm willing to still buy in, but man, you got to show me a sense of urgency. This is going to be an incredibly hostile environment. This is not a neutral site game. This is Camp Randall Stadium. This is, in our opinion, a top 10 Wisconsin team. Don't care what the AP says. This is a program with as good a shot at contending as any has had in recent years, and they may have a very, very potent passing attack this year, which I don't think we've ever said on the show about Wisconsin football. you got to overcome all that. you got to have mental toughness, and average teams succumb to that. Good, very good, great teams, they can overcome that kind of stuff. But it's up to you because the default, like we talked about on the front end, the back end, the default is Wisconsin's got a huge edge here. They get to play in their building, and a lot of your first and second year guys don't even know what crowd noise sounds like, and so you're going to have to deal with it. That place is really hard to play, even if they're kicking it off at uh, noon Eastern. What time zone's Madison in? It's got to be Central Time. Yeah, so either way, it's early, but they'll be ready. Uh, Let's take a look, Jesse, at what our model thinks about the game. Again, the line right now out in the desert, according to Caesars, is five or five and a half. When I went on air, it was five and a half. And that's moved up from four, four and a half as of the last 24, 48 hours. We thought the number was right all along. We had Wisconsin minus four and a half. Man, I gave serious consideration to Penn State here. I even even kind of segued to Jesse. Jesse's from Penn State. And so I said, Jesse, uh, what do you want me to pick here? And then he started to say, Penn State, baby. I said, Jesse, pretend like everyone in your family depends on you making this pick or else they do not get to eat again for the rest of the month. And he said, Badgers win, Penn State covers. And that's kind of where I am right now. I'm going to take Wisconsin to win the game. I think it's very, very narrow. I think it's either way. It's a one-possession game with five minutes to go. It's anyone's game. But I think Wisconsin ends up winning the game. Penn State covers the game. There's too much similarity here. Any strength that I talked about with Penn State, there's too much matching point across the ball that I can point out with Wisconsin. I want to remind you, you know, they've had some shaky reports here and there from one person I've talked to for Wisconsin's camp this fall. But, I mean, by and large, they get the pieces back they never really fully got to gel with last year. Their passing game, I think, can surprise some people this year. Now, I'm talking this year. This is about this Saturday. Stands to reason, if I'm right about this year, it starts this Saturday. It's not going to be 38 degrees up there yet. So prime conditions, prime atmosphere, I think Wisconsin's going to find a way to get it done. But I'm telling you, if I'm right about this, and this is a narrow game, this is our number eight team beating our number nine team by one possession at home. We're not bumping Penn State, if that does play out that way. A couple of other games, and before we even get to these games, I want to remind you, we're not doing LSU-UCLA tonight. We're doing that one Thursday night. We will do Notre Dame-Florida State Thursday night. So we are going to predict all the games. Uh, Indiana-Iowa, we'll do that one Thursday night. There are a lot of big games that we still have to get around to. Bowling Green-Tennessee, no, probably not. Uh, They play Thursday night. And so uh, housekeeping note on that at the end of the show. All right, let's talk about this Friday night game, though. This one's really, really intriguing. I gave consideration to going to this one. Logistics did not work out. But, man, how about North Carolina laying five and a half at Virginia Tech again, Full houses in most places across America. Well, if you can sell the tickets, at least. They don't have a problem with that in Blacksburg, Virginia. This is a Friday night, 6 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on ESPN. So you've got wall-to-wall. It starts on Thursday, Friday, this game. we got a full slate Saturday. Sunday night is Notre Dame, Florida State. And then Labor Day night in Atlanta, it is Louisville and it is Ole Miss. That is wall-to-wall. That is jam-packed. So let's talk about this game here. This is a dynamics-based line. I know a lot of you may be looking at this, and you've looked at all the top 10, top 15, top 20s, and you've seen the North Carolina Tar Heels. You haven't seen Virginia Tech. In fact, last time we talked about Virginia Tech, 
It's when they upset the Ramen Noodle Express at the very end of last year. One of our most confident bets of the year was Virginia. And it just, it was never close. I don't know. It happened to us one time last year that we just so whiffed on a game. And it just so happens it was against Virginia Tech. Are we salty about it? Yep, we are. Uh, I'm not going to go as far as to take it out on them with my pick. But we're a little salty about it. But we've moved on. So this is a dynamics play. Because I think if this game were to be played in week four at North Carolina, it'd be heels minus two touchdowns minimum. But right now, there's uncertainty. And you have that fear that there's going to be a wobbly tire on this offense that goes out on the road. And this is the kind of offense, it's not ground and pound. And so if things aren't fully calibrated and clicking on all cylinders, you got the old crowbar and the bicycle spokes potential. You fly over the handlebars and there's your face. It's street pizza. And all of a sudden it's it's a quagmire. It's 13 to 6 at halftime. And where's the offense? Everyone's got that fear in the very back recesses of their mind. And you got the home crowd to deal with. And it's night. I don't know what that's ever mattered. But when the sun goes down, apparently the home team plays better football. And so it's only five and a half. I'm going to show you in just a second what the model thinks about it. But what should be the deciding factor in this game for us, at least as we see it, is a glaring matchup advantage, I think, for North Carolina. Virginia Tech's wide receivers are going to have a field day against a lot of teams they play this year. Uh, They've got the quarterback, for better or for worse. We've got quarterback figured out there. He better not get hurt. they got quarterback figured out there. But these receivers are not bad. They're not bad players at all. But what's going to happen is, um, let's make sure our screen wasn't messed up there. What's going to happen is, in this particular matchup, I think North Carolina's got the corner play. I think they've got the secondary play to match up. And if that is your fastball for Virginia Tech, and North Carolina can just limit that thing, I am not a believer that this Virginia Tech defense has made any kind of significant strides from the over 30 points per game they gave up on average last year. And I think North Carolina, for all I care, they can go scoreless in the first quarter. They are eventually going to find that groove. And when they do, because of that matchup out wide that is advantage North Carolina, I don't think West, I don't think Virginia Tech is going to be able to trade points with them. So Jesse, let's take a look at what we think. And I'm going to show you what the model thinks. And this is contrarian. Because you've seen this number at seven and eight, and then it's dropped all the way to five and a half. But our number has maintained, as it tends to do, at North Carolina minus seven. And I'm rolling with our model. So I'm going to take North Carolina to win. I'm going to probably expect them to taste their blood a little bit early in this game. But the second half of this game, I think, will tell a much different story than the first half. So give me North Carolina to win. And we think North Carolina will cover the five and a half. We'll take it all the way up to a touchdown, actually. What about, as we move south significantly to Austin, Texas, I'm just going to wait. I'm kind. This is me being kind, Jesse. I know you guys got a lot of elements there. So we got all the time in the world. We don't have a hard out on this show. Texas is welcoming in Louisiana Lafayette. I have made the executive decision to call them Louisiana on the show. I know it upsets a lot of people, but Billy Napier follows us on Twitter. We cannot take this risk. And so we are taking Louisiana, and we're marching them right into Austin, Texas. Um, This is not a trap game. Please stop calling this a trap game. This is not sneaking up on anyone. Everyone watched the week one opener last year when they went into Iowa State, into my house, into our house, and they beat our Cyclones. No one has Louisiana sneaking up on them. If Louisiana beats Texas Saturday, it's because they were the better team. And they overcame an incredible road environment to do so. It's not a trap. Y'all got to learn the definition of what a trap game is. I've barely heard anything about Louisiana the entire summer. And they return every player. I think they return like 400 kids. They got Billy Napier at the very top of a lot of head coaching wish list. And it just, other than Alex Scarborough, who did a really good feature on him on ESPN.com the other day, I just hadn't heard a whole lot about him. Maybe I've had my head in the sand, but I mean, I... I do this show a few times a week, so I tend to think I've got my finger on the pulse. So maybe they're sneaking around for some of you. I guarantee you Steve Sarkeesian can tell you everything you ever need to know about this team. How will this whole Texas quarterback rotation look? Well, there is somewhat of a skilled way to answer this question. We got a starter announced, so we know Hudson Carr is the starter. Uh, The other skill is if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I have an idea of what I want to do. I don't think it's decided, though. Like, it's decided who's going to take the field to start, but there's still a lot of conversation in Austin about how many series will Casey Thompson get. Certainly, if this was a battle this deep into camp, then it's really not totally decided. Hey, that may be the case, man, but even having said that, 
Hudson Card's going to determine how this goes. You can go into a game, and you can have it nice and charted out. I'm going to get Casey Thompson one series in the first quarter. I'm going to get him a couple of series before half. So three series for Casey Thompson. Well, all right. Scenario for you. Hudson Card is 13 for 15 with two touchdowns and 200 yards passing already at the end of the first quarter. Is he coming out? No. The answer is no. He's not coming out. So your quarterback, your starting quarterback, will determine how the rotation works if there is a rotation. Also, I've had from the from the I've got an angle crowd, I've had a lot of people say this line's too big. Well, it has come down significantly. I think it opened at 13 and it's down to like eight now. We're gonna take a look at it in a second. I've had that angle crowd tell me, oh, Louisiana's got this game. I say, extremely interesting. Why? Is it well, Billy Napier? Okay, odds makers know who he is. Uh, well, remember the Iowa State game last year? They, they upset Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, odds makers are well aware of that. Well, you know, Texas has a new staff. That's cool. My point is, have you just revealed any information to me that the people who put that number out are not privy to? Because if you didn't reveal any information to me that's new, you don't have an angle. You just have stuff that you know. So right now, Jesse, in fact, let's go ahead and take a look at it. The Vegas number is sitting there at eight. So it's there to be had. If you are confident in Louisiana, they're giving you not only some points, they're giving you, well, more than the standard touchdown. They're giving you eight points there. And so I thought for all the world as recently as two weeks ago that I was going to be on the outright upset here. I want to be cool. I want to be the guy who overthought the room, Uh, but I'm not because we got a little problem. And the problem is heat. And the problem is 100,000 folks. And the problem is a far superior talent roster with better leadership now, even in year one. And here's the glaring mismatch. The glaring mismatch is the depth and size of the Texas defensive front against this crew that Louisiana is about to take in there. This is a very solid football team. This is better than a lot of teams Texas will face in the Big 12 this year. But there is a matchup that is going to become more and more glaring as the afternoon goes on. And then on the other side, If all else fails, if our guy Xavier Worthy doesn't hang four scores, they can just hand the ball off. And it may not work in the first quarter, and it may not work in the third quarter, but eventually, late third quarter, early fourth quarter, one yard turns into four yards, four yards turns into seven yards, and even if it's boring at times, Texas, I think, is going to win this game. And then, in a somewhat surprising fashion for apparently a lot of you, I think Texas is going to win it, and they're going to cover it. I think they're going to win the game by double digits. And our model almost agrees. It's got it at minus nine. So our model actually likes Texas to win and cover as well. Um, My point, as I made earlier in the week, that I want to reiterate right now, it's okay if you're looking at this and you're saying Texas is going to get beaten. That's fine. It may very well happen. Uh, Week one, crazy. Anything can happen. But my point is, if they don't get beat and you're calling for the upset, don't be coming in the chat on Sunday night and saying, I don't know why everyone's making such a big deal about Texas winning. It was just Louisiana Lafayette. It's just a G5 team. Can't even find it on a map. You can't do both of those. You can't do both. And also, if you expect Texas to, well, actually, that doesn't work the other way. I should have shut up. So just forget about the last 10 seconds of your life. What I just said goes, don't be, uh, I'm not even going to edit that out. Don't be calling for the upset and then poo-poo the win when Texas gets it if they do. That's all I'm saying. Let's roll on here. I got to remember housekeeping note, HKN. I got to remember to tell you something before we go off the air. I remember what it was. All right. So some things that in your normal day-to-day life, you're just driving around, you're at the office, you're daydreaming about college football because it beats whatever else you're doing in your life. Some things that just pop in your head. Well, my mind works the same way, or maybe I'm the only one and the rest of you are looking at me like I'm psychotic right now, but I got some stuff I'm looking forward to. This stuff does not fit necessarily nice and neatly in a game preview, but man, I'm looking forward to some of this. Ohio State at Minnesota on Thursday night. C.J. Stroud is a starting quarterback there. So number one, I'm excited to see him. But number two, just because you're starting quarterback doesn't mean it's your team, but maybe it is your team. See, I'm very, very interested to watch Ohio State just function offensively. They got all the skill and weaponry in the world. They got a loaded backfield that I think will find its groove a little bit later in the year. Very interested to see how much they play Travion Henderson in game one, game two, game three versus, you know, in November. Pass pro, stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's just hard to have a new starter at quarterback and also put young tailbacks out there. 
because of the pass protection issues and because of the limited ability and the limited leeway that maybe sometimes you give a young quarterback. I'm very excited to see that because the, if it's not his team yet, eventually if C.J. Stroud, your guy, there'll be that synergy point where it is his team. It's going to be fun to watch. But some of that stuff takes a little while. You could see this with Bama and Bryce Young, for all we know. I don't know how it's going to pan out. That's why I'm excited to watch it. And it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Ohio State struggled a little bit out of the gate. That's not the worst thing in the world. That North Carolina-Virginia Tech game, which we just covered a second ago, I can't wait to see what kind of team, I mean, I guess comes out of the visiting tunnel. I cannot wait to see what kind of team comes out of that visiting tunnel in Blacksburg, Virginia, Friday night against Virginia Tech. Because I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was 2017, Clemson went up there. And it was one of the best produced games I've ever seen with ESPN. They really hyped the home field aspect. And it's still available on YouTube. I think just the video of the pregame is on YouTube. And that entrance and inner Sandman, I think we're looking at it right here, awesome environment. And you watch from home, and especially if you're in person, you're saying, I can't believe that a road team is about to come in here with grown men jumping around in turkey outfits to the tune of 65,000 or 70,000. I can't believe a team's going to come in here and actually think they're about to withstand this environment. And then Clemson came in and they took their hand and they reached over to the volume button and they turned it down. They took the lead immediately. They shut the crowd up. They were never a factor the rest of the night and Clemson cruised comfortably. That's what great teams do. That's what some really good teams can do at the beginning of the season. North Carolina fancies themselves as a program that is either there or on the precipice of being there. This is a game you may not look back on a few months from now. They win it and cover like we think they will. For all we know, Virginia Tech will be a 500 team at best this year. But they're not 500 right now. They think they got the entire world in front of them. That crowd does too. And if North Carolina goes in there and they silence that environment, and they take control of a game like we've seen elite teams do in the past, that's a signifier. That's a sign. That's something to tuck away. They didn't beat the most talented team in the world, but they did something that is a hallmark of teams that are on the rise to eventual Tier 2, Tier 1 type status. Cannot wait to watch that. What about Penn State at Wisconsin? Another game we just went over, but I left a little bit on the table, apparently. I can't wait in this Penn State-Wisconsin game for the few hinge moments because that's absolutely what these games come down to. This probably a little bit older school looking Big Ten game, it's not 44 to 10, it's nothing like that. There are a few hinge plays, bob plays, bounce of ball plays. It could be one bounce, it could be one block, it could be one fumble, it could be one or two yards either way that end up determining a game and then looking at the wild swing in perception off of those just microscopic tiny fractions of inches here and there because whichever team capitalizes on those one or two or three hinge plays that will determine this game, they're going to capitalize on it to the tune of being shot out of a cannon into the 2021 season. And they're going to be taken to a different level in terms of the national perception. Because Penn State, if they win that thing, they got Auburn white out in a couple of weeks. They'll be favored there, and then they'll be off to the races. Wisconsin's got a couple more big-time games in the first month of the season, but they'll be off to the races. Really interested to see which team capitalizes on that. And then the more sadistic among us are also interested to see which wounded animal walks out of week one with a loss and having to go into must-win mode in September. That's always fun, too. What about the first game we talked about tonight? What about Georgia and Clemson? JT Daniels, one of the biggest moments of his life, player or otherwise, is this Saturday night. You can rep it all you want to. You can study film all you want to. You can go through summer conditioning. You can talk to your coaching staff. You can talk to your position groups, and you can even scrimmage in fall camp. But we all know there's eventually going to come a time where a crowd is at full throat, and it's Saturday night, week one, and you're huddled up there for your last instructions before you break it and you take the field. That's the beginning of a football season. Where's your mind at in that moment? As a quarterback, there is such immense pressure on you at this level. You can't simulate it. Where's your mind at that moment? Are you locked in? Are you like Kevin Costner in For Love of the Game? Do you just fine-tune the mechanism where you shut the noise out? Or is the noise there? I'll be on the sideline. I don't have to focus like that. I can hear that noise. But if you're on the field and you got that exact same experience I got, you could get decapitated. You can't have that. You turn the ball over. You got all kinds of things that go haywire. And the functionality of an offense 
is totally dependent on that quarterback being able to get to a place mentally that very few people can get to. It's really hard to play this game. It's really hard to play that position. And at this level, it's a little bit different because you deal with stuff you don't deal with in a D3 environment. They're not talking about you eight days a week on radio at a D3 level school. You're not dealing with 75 or 80,000 people at that level. You are at this level. It's a privilege to play under that pressure, but man, it's a pressure cooker nonetheless. JT Daniels, that time is very soon at hand for him. Can't wait to see how he handles it. And lastly, Louisiana at Texas just touched on this. Kind of the same deal, isn't it, as the whole JT Daniels dynamic. There's been a lot of talk about Sark. There's been a lot of talk about this quarterback battle. There's been a lot of talk about whether this roster is going to be good enough and whether this staff's going to be good enough, whether the starting quarterback is going to be good enough, whoever he chooses. There is good news or bad news, though, in every football season, depending on what your perspective is. And that is just that. The season is eventually going to arrive. And at that point, it doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter if they're overly critical, overly praiseworthy. It's good news if you possess the ability to silence all your doubters, make their opinion irrelevant. It's bad news if you're going to validate everything negative that they said about you over the course of the past eight or so months. And that in and of itself is what I look forward to with this Texas-Louisiana game because we're rapidly approaching the time to be at hand where it doesn't matter what people are saying because we got a game every six and a half days. And now we get to find out, does Hudson Card have what it takes? Was that quarterback battle really a battle of two guys who were capable of winning? Or was it a battle of the lesser, I don't want to say lesser of two evils, I already did that one time. But, it, you know, the lesser of two average options. What kind of quarterback situation do we have there? Aside from Xavier Worthy and Whittington, I mean, Josh Moore, do we have guys who can emerge as game-changing wide receivers? We get to find all that out now. So I'm looking forward to all that. Okay, I'm so proud because unlike the other night where I forgot to do an entire segment, I actually remembered our housekeeping note. So as you know, this schedule is all over the place this week. So our schedule is all over the place this week. Now, after we get out of week one, it's always Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday night, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. However, because we have a bunch of teams kicking off at a bunch of different times, this Thursday night, we are starting the show an hour early, 7 Eastern, 6 Central. We'll get you out of here in time to watch Ohio State, Tennessee's playing, a lot of teams are playing. And then on Sunday night, I've got a quick morning flight back here, hopefully have most of the show already put together because we're going to start an hour early on that night too. So Thursday and Sunday night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central start times. Tell your uncle, tell your aunt, tell your friends, and we are probably going to have uh, the biggest crowds that we've ever had on the show. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in. You got Academy Sports and Outdoors on board. You got a whole lot of things happening for us. Make sure, can't stress it enough, you're following those Instagram and Twitter accounts, at Josh. You're going to be rewarded for that before the end of this week. So make sure you're following there. I uh, can't really say much more because it's not associated with the show, so I can't say it. But make sure you're following at Lake Keep Josh. For Director Colin, for our entire crew in Connecticut, thank you so much for watching. I'm Josh Bate. Have yourselves a great rest of the evening, and God bless. Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So so. So so. So so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.